0: Hello everyone, this is Garki and today I have with me Professor Nilesh Bose, he is Associate Professor at the Department of History uh, at the University of Victoria in Canada. He has published several books on South Asian and global South history, most recent of which is his edited volume, India After World History Literature Comparison and Approaches to Globalization with the Leiden University Press. Hi uh, Professor Bose, how are you today?
1: Uh, hello, Gargi. I'm doing fine, thank you. And thank you very much for having me.
0: It's a pleasure. As always, I would like to start with the genesis
1: of this book.
0: Where? How did you come to write this book?
1: Yes, thank you for that question. Uh, the seeds for this book were planted during a conversation that I participated in between historians and literary critics uh, around uh, 2016 and 2017 about the rise of the criticism of studies of globalization and by extension global history in favor of studies of local and bounded topics. And this was occasioned also by an op-ed written around that time by Princeton historian Jeremy Edelman, who after the 2016 US elections that saw the rise of Donald Trump in power in the United States of America, Uh, saw him critique uh, the study of globalization and global history, and globalization defined by him was implicitly the celebration of global mixing, the erosion of borders and boundaries, and according to this uh, position, this study of global history had blinded scholars to the rise of extreme nationalism, And this was followed by a co-authored defense of global history that was published in the Journal of Global History in 2018 by Richard Drayton and Roy Motadel. And this led to another response by Jeremy Edelman and also David Bell, both of whom reiterated the need for more local histories. Now, in the context of this conversation, uh, myself and others, including Dilip Gaunkar a scholar of literary and cultural criticism at Northwestern University, decided to convene a two-part conference to explore this topic from a variety of angles the meaning and significance of global history itself, as we felt that it was a term and a way of thinking that was thrown around quite quickly, often to score political points without a clear understanding of the long history of the subfield of world history, which has a particular genealogy in the English-speaking world, which at times has referred to the study of comparative civilizations, at times to interactions and encounters across time and space, and at times has referred to the history of globalization. Also related to this is the rise of literary critics who have for some time been working on the topic of world literature as a subfield of literary criticism where literature is often defined as the study of literature that transcends national or local borders. At times, it is a method, a way of reading and interpreting that engages history, culture and politics outside only local contexts. And we found that many literary critics were also thinking quite deeply about how to imagine a world outside only of localities, but to be mindful of the problems of large scale uh, thinking. And so, uh, in that time, con- in that context of uh, 2016, 2017 onward, when many in the world were thinking about the rise of aggressive nationalisms, we aim to explore how a conversation between world historians and literary critics interested in world literature would help clarify certain keywords about imagining a world, to explore what sort of a world has often been referred to by historians how historians have defined a world system how they have studied it and what sort of a world also has been studied by literary critics and we found that often these start with different presumptions and different disciplinary foundations and so we sought to explore those issues to think not only outside of nationalisms but to think directly about the nature of world history world systems and imagining worlds themselves, and the result is the book that we are discussing now.
0: Yeah, thank you for your answer. Um, uh, I want to come to the title of this book. I mean, I would come to the subtitle uh, a little later, but the title is is interesting in itself. Uh, it says "India after World History." Why
1: after? Yes, the title refers to a way of thinking about world history, and so um, the work is really a um, review and exploration of these two different disciplines and ways of thinking about world history. So as the literary critic uh, B. Venkatmani, who has included in his afterword a comment on this topic, the book offers an array of perspectives on the topic of world history and world literature, centering the role of India Uh, and India related topics that bear on the subject. We did not initially set out to work on India solely or primarily, but India ended up appearing in, in so many ways and in so many perspectives that we felt that it should be centered in our title. And so the title refers to three different ways of thinking about India and world history. It may refer to the study of India After world history paradigms have been fully appreciated through the close encounter with literary critics who are also working with paradigms of world literature. So India may look differently after world history. So, for example, through the study of Marathi poetry, in conversation with critical understandings of world literature by Gedar Kulkarni, or through the study of the Mughal emperor Akbar, through a framework of Neoplatonism, as shown by Josko Mans, the historian, when world history paradigms are creatively and purposely integrated into the study of Indian historical and literary materials, India may appear to look differently after world history. India after world history may also refer to slices of India that escape attention of literary critics and historians who write in English, who work with various notions of world history that may be revised using materials and ways of thinking evident from the study of India. So this is shown in the work of Jonathan Erick, a longtime English literary critic and a specialist in American and British literature, who closely read the work of Sheldon Pollock, as well as reflected on the role of Sanskrit and aesthetics and power in Indian history. And he read this field, in a sense, from his perspective in American and British literature. Finally, India after world history may refer to a future in which the large corpus of world historical thought, which is reviewed at different points in the book, may inform new studies of Indian history, not only informed by local politics and concerns, nor beholden only to grand categories from the Western world, but through a creative encounter with world historical thinking and precedence. World history in some guises has featured interactions, migrations, and encounters across Across time and space. In some iterations of it, it focuses on the history of globalization. Fitting a space such as India with its vast diversity and multifaceted natures into a framework that speaks to globalization points to an in India after world history. The rich and multifaceted primary source material that we have with us in India, as well as diverse literary cultures of India offer ways to avoid rigidly demarcated boundaries uh, that are often commonly seen in world history between early modern and modern periods, or the disciplined study of literary texts that is often divided and shut off from the study of labor, uh, migration and empire um, in certain ways, though it has been, of course, studied in many different formats um, here, as the work of Nandini Dhor shows in her study of Indian fiction and the indentured labor system, that history in its various guises and literature in its various guises uh, only would be enlivened by each other
0: um uh, and uh, this is also interesting because world is now a very fecund wo- word that is keyword that is coming up in a lot of research today and uh how would you understand world here because the it is used for example world world ding world making these are these are the terms that are coming up uh at several points in this book
1: uh, yes, uh, thank you for that question. Uh, so, as I've mentioned, this book puts world history as a subfield of history and world literature and its studies and criticism as a subfield of literary criticism together. And when that is placed in conversation, these terms world, worlding, and world making. Come up in different forms, and so the, the book aims to at least provide um, guidelines to how to think about these terms. Now, when thought of as a descriptor, world may have mundane as well as exciting meanings. The world of world history in much of Anglophone world history in the 20th century, from the work of Toynbee in the early 20th century, referred to comparative civilizations informed by the great devastation of World War I. And the world in that context referred to the civilizations of the world, a collection of civilizations. The world may also, as Immanuel Wallerstein and many working in his wake in world systems theory through the present day, refer to a totality of a system, which may feature a system of political units, such as empires, or nation-states, or geopolitical regional formations. And what's such important regional geopolitical formation is the Indian Ocean region, a system unto itself, and the site of many interesting recent scholarly works. So a world may be a collection uh, of civilizations, it might be a system unto itself, or a collection of systems. Um, and a key feature of defining world systems is the rise of capitalism as a historical force, which though debatable in terms of precise origins is undeniably a significant if not the most significant element in the making of the modern world and these approaches to the world are covered in different forms in this book uh, with reference to recent scholarship in both history and literary criticism finally the term worlding and the correlate world making refer to the imagination, and the many ways that various forms from within literature, art, performance, and concomitantly forms of interpreting reality, such as religion, offer resources for world-making. And so the book does not investigate in great depth all of these versions of the world that I've mentioned, but it places them in context with reference to recent scholarship in both history and literary criticism.
0: Uh, and um uh, coming to the subtitle um uh, i was uh, i was somehow very um uh, some somehow very um uh, how to put it into words um um a little surprised and also very curious why comparison is is almost a keyword it's not a method in the subtitle it's literature comparison and approaches um why did you put it as a keyword, not a method? Uh,
1: yes, because uh, thank you for the question. Similar to the idea of world history, which is quite contested, one aspect of recent iterations of historical work is the um, contestable site of comparison itself. And though there have been precedents of doing comparative history, that has um, fallen out of much practice of the historical discipline, yet it is included um, as a keyword as the various discussions uh, entertained over the course of our two workshops and many revisions of the essays feature the importance of comparison as essential as a way of Thinking for those who have worked in world history and for those who take world literature seriously. But yet, it is quite a difficult task for those who work in Indian history or who work with Indian literary materials to operationalize as a method. Is India an exceptional place with incomparable histories, cultures, literary texts, and politics? If it is, then there's no need to think in these terms. But if not, then paradigms of world history and models of world literature with all of their resorted critiques are indispensable for works that would seek to place India, and Indian materials in a framework outside only local histories and local frames of reference. So this book, though not offering a full showcase in comparison, offers angles into social and cultural processes that are relevant, we argue, in the book for much of the world, such as uh, riots, sites of violence, indentured labor or in the case of a much longer durée history neoplatonism in the case of the work by Josco Mans from indian perspectives that may yield comparative work in the future as they are undoubtedly important for areas of the world outside of india Also, comparison is highlighted because the book uniquely devotes space to various iterations of the ways that world history and world literature have been understood by different uh, actors at different points in time. So it offers students and scholars alike a way to think comparatively about these two subfields of history and literary criticism as uh, they imagine future projects that would take seriously both locality and a broader systems approach as essential to the object of study.
0: And now coming back uh, to the content of the book, I want to ask why is it uh, important to To compare world history and world literature, because one very major trend in world literature, as far as I know, is is Goethe's Weltliteratur, where it is about uh, taking literature away from its context and saying the reader, I read this with my European, without any context or where it's coming from. This is for me what this literature means, and when we when we have Putting world history and world literature together is, is, again, to come back in some ways to, to where it's coming from uh, or, or historical processes, uh, which are not necessarily constrained, I think, uh, with, with the local situations, but again, are some bringing something or, or challenging some aspects of world literature. Do you agree with me or do you think that's, that's not the right way to think about that?
1: No, I certainly agree. I would simply add that uh, by placing world literature and world history together, we find that they have to some degree uh, parallel tracks in finding um, a direction toward this uh, particular guideline of critiquing an idea of the world. And this emerged in the early 19th century, as you mentioned with Goethe also ideas of world history, which start to emerge later in the 19th century and through the early 20th century, also, come to some similar conclusions and therefore putting them together allows us to understand some fault um, lines in both disciplines and perhaps allows us uh, to lead to different futures in these two different disciplines. Because these terms have often been used in ways that presume a stable referent to such aspects of literature and history, they have often muddied our analysis of both subfields of their respective disciplines. So for some world history is self evidently a good um, as a tool for comparative reflection? For some, is it as self evident? negative, a bad. It is an altogether distant imposing colonial paradigm that forces local histories into larger models. And world literature for some is seen as a negative, as a violent, a colonial force that subsumes local literatures into an all encompassing paradigm. And for some a positive opening uh, of the study of literature outside of only local iterations of thought and practice. And the book offers um, an opening to suggest that both of these subfields grown in parallel, the critiques of both of them have grown in parallel, and putting them both in conversation yields insights into a larger discussion about humanist study, as the study of history and the study of literature both comprise some of the oldest and largest fields of humanist intellectual labor, as Patrick Manning, the world historian who wrote the um, Uh, introduction uh, to the uh, book uh, mentions. And when when world history and world literature is put into conversation by scholars of these fields, insights about the nature of history and literature emerge that likely would never come about uh, on their own. And these include the idea that world history is often used as a term that does not reflect the longer genealogy of the field, nor the politics that have informed its usage. So some iterations of world history across time and space may still yet be useful to craft useful histories of the present. And for literature, many historians may not be aware of how closely uh, literary uh, critics have thought about concepts of world systems and how they have thought about book histories, how they have thought about cultures of reception across time and space. And so they may offer readings of important moments in history that should be read across disciplines. And I would say that these are the reasons that world history and world literature ought to be placed in conversation. Yeah.
0: Um, uh, Another contrast that that this that this book brings about is the difference between the global and the world. Can you can you clarify this for us?
1: Uh, yes, these terms in this book and then within the discipline of history are not used in isolation, nor do they refer only to popular terms, but they're descriptors of genres of history So I use them to refer to how historians have thought about world history and global history and acknowledge that there are others in other disciplines, especially in the study of globalization, that may think of these terms slightly differently. The term world in world history has tended to refer to the original Anglophone world history in the early 20th century as a comparative approach to civilizations that have existed across the world in in time and space. This approach was invented um, in the early 20th century and has provided the foundation for much later research on international relations, world systems, uh, and environmental history. Global history, as it is discussed in this book, has emerged most visibly in the late 20th century, as the history of globalization, something separate from the study of self-contained civilizations, but rather the study of the integration and disintegration of the world system, including the study of financial integration, the study of world markets, the study of the international system as we now live through it as a collection of nation states, as well as a system monitored through international institutions, which have been um in existence since World War II and beyond. In recent years, global history has elevated into prominence in certain circles in the world. uh, World history has receded somewhat into the background. Uh, These two approaches to global and world history have been the major approaches to the subject in the English language. But I would say that the study and exploration of world history continues uh, to rise and take different directions in various places around the world and in relation to different histories throughout the world. It is an active field of debate and exploration in Germany, in Austria, in Holland, in various parts of East Asia and in Latin America, their recent book series that have been convened on comparative global history, which have published works on these topics from perspectives uh, within China, Chinese history, Japan, Japanese history, and the Spanish Empire, Nigeria, uh, and Latin America, from world historical angles. And so, both of these, the world and the global, are quite uh, living and dynamic um, approaches to history in our present time.
0: Um. What is uh, the interest of reading literature globally? I mean, my my knowledge of world history is is limited to Sanjeev Subramaniam's lecture from uh, College College de France in Paris. But why are literary histories, uh, as they are understood mostly in their ethnic, linguistic and regional boundaries, let's say not sufficient? Why do we need a global literary history?
1: Yes. Uh, So um, this is a very important issue and uh, the work of Sanjay Subramaniam, including his College de France lectures, um, discussed uh, at some length in this book. Um, And I would say that it is not that global literary history is required or that uh, other literary histories are insufficient, but rather that there is a tradition and a set of debates about global uh, history as well as world literary history, that is relevant for the study of literature. And I would say that the interest is twofold. At one level, since there has been a self-identified world market in literature, and this is discussed in uh, Jonathan Erick's um, contribution to this volume where he discusses this in some detail this moment, from uh, the mention of it in Marx and Engels' Communist Manifesto, The ways that interest readers across the world in works that have originated in areas outside of their own has been a long standing interest within literary criticism. Um, has generated a whole vast array of reflection and critical angles into the topic. However, another uh, element for me in this book is the precise nature of critical reactions to so-called world literature. The critical placement of it into certain um, directions of research is what is most important for this book. And criticisms may reveal various positions about the topic. Is there such a thing called world literature? Or is it simply a creation of market forces, external pressures, and what literary critics deem to be important? And the way that conversation and literary criticism has developed for me, as an outsider to literary criticism, as a historian interested in uh, modern history within South Asia, his migrations history and the history of globalization, that conversation has impacted how historians might enliven their own understanding of cultural history, ideas about cultural difference and the nature of globalization itself. So whether literary histories in their local iterations are sufficient in and of themselves is a question for, um, first and foremost, readers, literary critics, and members of those public spheres. As some would argue, the answer to the question depends on location, power, and privilege in the world system. For some, the answer is an unqualified yes, that local histories are more than enough. And any talk of world or global is unnecessary. And for others, any notion of a global or a world or a context outside the local is where we begin, whether we like it or not, because that is the reality that we live in today. And the book starts with the premise that exploring the ways that world literature has been understood and exploring the ways that world history has developed is relevant for all of us who care about history and literature in our current age of globalization. Uh,
0: And and chapter four and five for me were very interesting because they were the application of these these uh, theoretical concepts and keywords that we have discussed. But I was wondering uh, about the chapter six, which is titled Vacant Villages. And I want to know how this chapter uh, responds to the project that you have outlined, because uh, as far as I understood with my limited understanding that it does not explicitly deal with literature.
1: Yes, thank you uh, for the question. Uh, That chapter uh, speaks rather to a broader site of discussion that we had explored uh, in some depth in our workshops, which is that of violence within the genres of world history and, and the genre of world literature. Uh, as criticism, the criticism of world literature. Now, often violence in the form of massacres, riots, and other moments of extreme violence has been placed in exceptional terms within much historical writing, as well as much literary criticism. Though the piece does not engage with uh, literature per se, it offers a detailed understanding of how riots in a particular context of history have unfolded, how they have unfolded within a particular context, yielding insight uh, into how potentially literary critics would approach such issues in the study of literature.
0: Yeah, and uh, chapter six and chapter eight, uh, there was a strong affirmation of anti-colonial themes, uh, because um, and even the colonial practices, the continuing colonial practices of the post-colonial state and the state, the national state that has come after the empire, is is also something that is put uh, put to question. How how important is anti-colonialism for for world literature today?
1: Yes, uh, so the anti-colonialism, as well as broader facets of anti-colonial thought and politics, uh, is of course very important for both world history and world literature, but has not been um, studied fully and systematically in the ways that it is suggested Be studied here. The issues, as studied in particular by uh, Elam, uh, aim to tie the history of anti colonialism not only as a series of disconnected individuals or writings, but into a coherent history that might be seen as a proper topic for world history. Whereas earlier iterations of world history writing uh, had focused on civilizations, had focused on environmental history, and in our current age, we now have a great density of the history of anti-colonial thought and politics, as well as literary texts, as well as theoretical writing uh, in the last uh, century or so. And so we felt that this direction was an important area to signal in our conversation about world literature and world history. Anti-colonialism as potentially a site for new world histories. And it is taken up only quite briefly in that Uh, suggestive uh, chapter in the work, but it it suggests that those who are working on this topic in the future may do more to extend um, the work that was suggested there on Placing anti colonialism within a new world history. And this is taken up also in other recent uh, works within the historical discipline, such as the edited volume by Antoinette Burton and Tony Ballantyne titled World History from Below Disruption and Descent, 1750 to the Present, which also engages such themes. The distinction between Uh, That work and this particular volume is that uh, this volume also explicitly explores the role of literature and the role of world literature as a way of thinking, um, in addition to only anti-colonialism as a series of texts or individuals. Mm
0: -hmm. Um, One of the criticism that is uh, often uh, that that I have read often against world literature and and, uh, is is the fact that it. Is um, responding to to globalization or cap the the rise of the global capital, and in, in 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 this book, what I read was that there is an emphasis on on text, and authors and activists who are standing exact who have the exact opposite stance, but are not uh, responding to to the global capital from from a localized. Uh, space they are they are not saying this is not relevant to our local ethnic uh, spatial temporal and that is why that is how we are going to counter the global capital uh, they are in fact uh, crossing over and with the process of globalization or or world making or worldling countering the global capital um, if for the future of, of this discipline, uh, how how fecund would this stream be? What do you think this possibility is going to lead to?
1: Yes, I think this possibility uh, ideally will lead to more um, research, writing and engagement with the very notion that you have pointed out of engagement with, we can call it global capital or we could call it um, global capitalism. Uh, or we can call it capitalism, that aims to engage with uh, conflict, disruption, and subversion, not only from the perspective of a bounded, closed um, linguistic, ethnic, or religious space, as you mentioned, but actually engages with that larger-scaled system, as was mentioned in the work by Nundani Dhor and many others in the field, who are exploring how there are sites of engagement within literary spaces that transcend all sorts of boundaries. And I would say that this work aims to highlight how that is happening at the intersection of history and literary studies. Contributors like um, Nondani Idhor in this book and many others are exploring this and may point to a future where such work will become much more prominent, visible, and accessible to wider audiences.
0: Yeah. Um, since we are almost at the end of this podcast, um, I, I wish to ask you, what do you hope the the impact of this book is on the future scholarship that would come in, in, the, in this domain of world literature and world history?
1: Yes, I hope that historians and literary critics would read more of each other's work. And I also hope uh, that the debates and conversations in their respective fields, uh, as they will hopefully read more from this work, will uh, have much to teach one another. I also hope that those who work in fields outside only of India and South Asia, such as those who work in East Asian and Latin American histories and literary cultures, find the conversations and thematic issues discussed in this book uh, relevant for their own work. For those who wish to dismiss possibly the whole idea of world history as some have uh, attempted to do, or those who dismiss the idea of world literature as having nothing to offer scholars today and instead only focus on local issues, I would hope that the work would at least merit consideration for thinking about the future of our fields. And although the conception of worlds, the ways that world and global are discussed in both disciplines, are of course differently Imagined, They nonetheless offer valuable insights, uh, in my view, for any historian interested in cultural production and cultural history and any literary critic interested in history.
0: Um, And since your book was published not too long ago, uh, it may be too soon to ask, but what are your future projects? What are you working on right
1: now? Uh, Yes, my current book project, which I am um, aiming for um, entry into the world by next year, is titled uh, tentatively Religion Before Gandhi, Meanings and Ends of Religion in Colonial India, a Study of Religious Reform in the 19th Century. And this book examines the entangled history of religious reform in India through an examination of a few well-known figures and their many writings and travels and works like Ram Roy, the Nath Tagore, Keshav Chandra Shen, and Swami Vivekananda, but through a global history approach that takes quite seriously Their engagement with a variety of sources and influences from the many religions of India, including Islam, Buddhism, Vaishnavism, as well as many multifaceted readings and contacts within the Western world. And rather than find only the seeds of nationalism and a national religion, 19th century religious reformers grappled with ideas about universal religion, as well as religion outside of communal containers, often associated with colonial India.
0: Thank you. I wish you the best for your future projects. Have a nice day.
1: Thank you very much. You too.